I really like having opportunities to test out working at organizations. I did an internship with the World Bank. I did my conservation finance internship, which turned full time for the summer. There's so many opportunities at Georgetown, like the Insight program, the ROI Scholars program. I'd really say if you can just get into an organization for five hours a week for a term and just do the work, see what it's like, talk to people. I think that's a really good way to learn about how some of these organizations work. There's a lot of resources and a lot of people who, even from Georgetown, who then know a lot of people themselves. So take advantage of the network for sure. And two kind of smaller things. One of them is you'll, you'd know more than you think you know, is one thing that I learned through this internship for sure. Another one, just through recruiting is if you're kind of debating sending an email or debating giving someone a call, just just send it. What's what's the worst that'll happen? Somebody will say no or just not respond. Yeah, best case scenario, somebody sends you an email back and says you want a job. Welcome to this roundtable edition of McDonough Talks, the first roundtable of season two. Today, Sam and I will be joined by Hallie Sachs Danberg and Leo Taffy. Hallie is an almost second-year MBA candidate at the McDonough School of Business here at Georgetown. She has many interests, but chief among them are in marketing, sustainability, and social impact. Before business school, she worked at the World Wildlife Fund and the Nature Conservancy in communication roles. This summer, she interned for the Conservation Finance Network and was a social impact fellow at Inspiring Capital. Leo Taffy is an almost second-year MBA candidate as well here at McDonough. Prior to pursuing his MBA at Georgetown, Leo worked for Hilton, most recently as a front office manager. Leo spent his summer with the National Park Service in a strategy and management consulting role. He too worked at Inspiring Capital alongside Hallie. And before we bring in our guests, I want to reintroduce my co-host, Sam Speed. Sam, how are you doing? Doing well, Mike. Love to see you. Um, been a while. Yeah. Pleasure as always. And it's been a while. We took about a month off for the summer. And I just wanted to catch up and see how the rest of your time at Salesforce went. Yeah, mate, it's been good on the home stretch now. Second last week, it's uh, it's been a it's been a really interesting and really fun experience for me. Um, just you know, for listeners who didn't get the pleasure of hearing my uh, what my internship involved last time, I was basically in a internal operations role, which was something entirely new for me, having worked in sales for the best part of five years. Um, so you know where I was really used to just, you know, working with clients and, you know, everything I do day to day being about the client, everything I was doing this summer was all about internal stakeholders and doing that on a really global level, which was awesome. So, you know, I've spent a lot of my summer speaking to people inside the company based in Japan, in Australia, in Germany, in the East Coast or West Coast. Uh, it's been awesome. Just the other day, I was, I was actually up till 10 p.m. speaking to a customer success manager based out of Melbourne, which was fun, but definitely, definitely don't want to be up that late <laughs> doing that all the time. Um, I think it's also, it's definitely made me appreciate American complaints about European workers because as you all know, over August, the Europeans love their holiday. That's definitely what I would be doing. So trying to get in touch with people and interview them about the role. All these all these Germans and French people and English people were off for four weeks. Like, what the hell? I've got work to do. I've got an internship to smash and an offer to get. Um, but yeah, no, it's been really, really fun. Uh, I've been told that, you know, 
gosh, fingers crossed that a full-time offer is an MBA interns to lose. So I really hope that I've made a good impression and a good impact. Um, I'll find out in like two and a half, three weeks. Excellent. But yeah, it's been it's been really, really fun. It's been great. Did it did it live up to your expectations? And with an offer in hand, are you inclined to accept a full time position? Yeah, I would. I would absolutely accept uh, an offer with Salesforce. Salesforce is really a company that I always, you know, really would have wanted wanted to work for. The culture there is just incredible. And uh, the the team that I've been working in has been great. I felt like I really clicked with my boss from day one. Um, she she was super accessible and, but also kind of gave me the remit to kind of focus on what I wanted to focus on and really make the internship what I wanted to make it. Um, so I would love, yeah, to like stay in that team, stay at that company. Absolutely, I'd take an offer from them. Excellent. Well, that's good to hear. That's uh, of the people I've talked to, maybe one for one and conversion to from intern to full time. So congrats, man. That's really good to hear. Thank you, mate. Um, yeah, that's awesome. But how is how how was yours? I'd like to know how okay. yours went. PWC was excellent. I got an offer to come on full time. Amazing. Um, yeah. Such good news. So and and I like the way you put it. What did you say? It's basically yours to lose kind of deal. So I didn't screw up badly enough to get the boot so no but the things that stood out to me the most were the people at the firm I, th- I i was pretty impressed with pretty much everyone i came across and the learning opportunities to grow for me coming from a very niche background and just wanting to get that education experience i felt like i got that this summer on the project i was on and and it was just a little taste i think of what's to come if i choose to go back full time so it's nice to have in the back pocket and you know we'll see what happens in the next couple months but it's a great option to have for sure absolutely mate great offer that's going to be an extremely it's going to be a much more comfortable second year. Right. I was, I was going to say, we're going to have some fun this year. <laughs> yeah, finally, right? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So let's turn to Hallie and Leo. Guys, welcome onto the show. We are so happy to have you here. Hey, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, appreciate you bringing us on. So with season two upon us, we're kind of taking a career bent, if you will, to the show. Uh, we want to hear about people's experiences in the internship and just any kind of career advice you may have for the listeners out there. So Hallie, we'll start with you. So you had a couple roles this summer. Just break down kind of what you did this summer and how you kind of accounted your time to each role. Yeah. So I was working full-time with the Conservation Finance Network. It's a great organization. I was actually lucky enough to get connected to them already in the spring through the ROI Scholars Program at Georgetown. So I've been working with them through the spring, um, full-time over the summer, and continuing with them in the fall. And then Leo and I are also participating in a social impact fellowship program through Inspiring Capital. They picked 18 MBAs this year from a whole bunch of different programs. There's actually five Georgetown people selected, the most of any school, so that was really cool. And it's basically just professional development. We did a lot of workshops, like introspection about what impact means to you, what your purpose is in your career, and then also had a lot of guest speakers speaking to us. So it's been a really cool kind of supplement to the full-time internship program. Cool. And I'll shoot over the same question to Leo at the National Park Service. That sounds awesome. And I'll say that I had an interview with them too. Didn't get the offer, but you converted it. So yeah, I'd love to hear about your experience there. I'll be honest. Uh, when I was 
interview and I thought I completely botched the interview. So <laughs> I was very you know, surprised and ecstatic to get the offer. It's definitely been an incredible internship and working with the organization like the Park Service, which I'd assume you know, many are very familiar with. It's been unreal and seeing how some of these things work, but you know, granted still having some of the general government work headaches of things moving slowly, a little bit of the red tape bureaucracy to it. But at the same time, getting to experience the conservation side of that work and Park Service, I like to think is one of those government organizations that people actually like. So and it goes a long way to you know, making it a really fun, honestly, just fulfilling internship. On top of that, too, as Hallie said, the Inspiring Capital thing has just been a great supplement to it. It's been a lot of the personal growth, a lot of the kind of community world perspective on that growth as well. And some of the material that I've gotten through the fellowship has contributed directly to my Park Service internship. So it's been a really cool little overlap there. And yeah, congrats to Georgetown, too, getting the five kids into the fellowship. It's awesome to see some familiar faces in there as well. Who else was in the program with you guys? It was us two, Serena Young, Milhad, and Will Hoffman. Yeah, cool. Nijad, Nijad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, was Nijad in there as well? Yep, that man is in there. Nice. <laughs> yeah, and the other schools all have two people, so I don't know how we got five in there, but very impressive. And Leo and I were in the same group interview for it. <laughs> yeah, I can probably attest that I did not do great on that one either. But, yeah. I thought I bought it as well. <laughs> I texted Leo after and was just like, woof, that was rough. And then we both got offers. So there might be something to bombing those interviews. I've never been a part of a group interview situation. Like, what's that like? And how's the prep different from a standard kind of operating procedure? It was my first one. So I was not sure at all how to prep for it necessarily. But uh, it's definitely an interesting experience. You don't want to necessarily step on anyone's toes, but you want to be assertive enough to show that you can be a leader within the organization as well. So it's interesting trying to strike that balance. For sure. Be respectful, but be assertive. I actually thought a lot of what we talked about in Evelyn Williams' class with feedback was really valuable because after the interview, they asked us to talk about like what everyone contributed and who you'd recommend. And I had just like really good feedback for everybody. And I think that might have been my saving grace because I didn't think I did particularly well in the case interview. So yeah, I think it was a lot more not necessarily about how fast you can crunch numbers in front of everyone, but how well you work with people and notice their contributions as well. That's, a, that's, that's quite a good insight because I'm sure what I would hope there's going to be a bunch of um, full-time 23 first years hopefully listening to this podcast and any of those guys who are interested in this kind of program I'm sure would love this kind of insight. Can you tell us a little bit more about maybe the timeline for the application and you know when you guys got your initial feedback and kind of talk us through that for anyone who might be interested in it? It was a long process. I think we might have applied in December or January. And I think the organization didn't really reach out back to us till April, May, I want to say. Um, it was a pretty long timeline. They had us record our own interview questions. So they asked a question and you record the answer and submit it. And then the only time you actually ever met anyone from Inspiring Capital or anyone in person was that group virtual case interview. 
which I was, again, like we keep saying, not particularly prepared for. But yeah, I think it was a lot of just those soft skills were very valuable there, even though it was a case interview with numbers you were being presented as well. And for myself, it was a kind of interesting situation too, because Inspiring Capital sort of facilitated, I think they were in charge of kind of broadcasting and marketing the park service business planning internship as well, the one that I did in addition to the fellowship. So I had a little bit of exposure to Inspiring Capital through that interview process as well. So saw some familiar faces through the fellowship application, but as Hallie was saying, it came along a good little bit later than the internship offer, the internship acceptance, and I sort of fell in at the end of the school year just in time to really line things up for the summer. I had a couple follow-ups. One, for the Inspiring Capital opportunity, where did you guys seek that out or how did you guys come across that opportunity? I'd actually heard about Inspiring Capital before I came to business school. I was looking for social impact programs that or social impact internships, and they've been doing internship placements for a long time. And this is, I think, either the first year or the second year that they transformed it into a fellowship opportunity as a supplement. So I think I heard about it. I, did, I knew about them, and then I heard about this fellowship opportunity on the career page is where I saw it. I don't know about you, Leo. Yeah, I first heard about it actually during my application process to McDonough. So I'd mentioned being interested in conservation, sustainability, and wanting to pursue some sort of career along those lines. And the person who was interviewing me had mentioned, oh yeah, there's this National Parks BPI internship. I think this organization, Inspiring Capital, does it. You should look into it. And yeah, just kind of snowballed down from there. Ended up doing the internship and yeah, fellowship just kind of popped up on the career site and things just built up from there. Very cool. Leo, are you in a position to talk about your project at all with the Park Service this summer? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's definitely a little bit of a hairy one, but uh, it's more or less um, working actually with the Washington office and a team out of the Denver regional office, the Denver Service Center, which is kind of a larger scale project management group for the Park Service. So the project that I'm working on is a process redesign type of thing and business case framework building project. So Park Service essentially just uh, changed over to an internal review system where they want to review projects at an early stage before a bunch of money and resources get pumped into them and are still trying to work through some of the growing pains of that board, wherein my project comes into kind of build a framework around some of these early concept ideas to project uh, what exactly the park level or the regional level of the park service is trying to get done, what they're trying to fulfill and how that aligns to their purpose and present that to this uh, service-wide review board. The framework that we're building kind of involves the types of questions that would be asked, some of the financial projections, again, alignment with the park mission as well as the service-wide mission and potential alternatives to that concept that might accomplish the same mission in the end of the day, just through a different means, through maybe a more cost-effective means or maybe a more efficient means. So kind of trying to really just ground that concept development process and facilitate a smoother process through the ranks of the park, the region, the National Supervisory Board, just through the early concept development stage, not necessarily the schematic or the project design, but pre-resource investment creation of parks projects, some of which have been you know, around uh, 
depending on how familiar you, you guys are with DC, like the uh, seawall at the Thompson Creek Boat Center or some of the projects around the National Mall, which is a national park unit or East Potomac Park, some of the things like that. It's been cool getting the inside scoop on some of those projects that are you know, in progress as well. And Leo, has that internal exposure to the mission of the national parks, was that broadly aligned with what you kind of expected it to be as kind of like an outside fan of it? Or are you now kind of disillusioned by, you know, the hard money and the hard finance that goes behind these projects? How does, how does that kind of bear out? I wouldn't say disillusioned at all. I would say if anything reinforced, it's, um, you know, the mission's essentially to protect and conserve resources and sites, all kinds of things like that for generations to come. And that's exactly what all these investments are around, be it you know, in terms of climate resiliency or even the financial sustainability of a park. And if the park's not going to be able to just take a lighthouse in the Outer Banks, for instance, if the park does not have good finances, they're not going to be able to rebuild a foundation to that lighthouse. It's going to collapse the next time a hurricane comes through. So the finances do play a part there in terms of the conservation of the resources as well. And one of the big things that they try to take into account is that climate resiliency component of things in the rising sea levels or very current issue, particularly given some of the clouds of smoke that hang over Denver from California, fire resistance or high temperature, durability, things of that sort. So conserving both the natural and cultural resources in a future-minded way is a very big part of it. And that essentially wraps up the mission there. Plus... um, it's uh, it's another good thing to note in looking at all of this that it's not it's not a uh, revenue generating process generally. Sometimes you get the lucky one that does you know, make a little bit of money for the park service, but that immediately gets reinvested elsewhere. As with all things government, underfunded. <laughs> it's been been a fun exposure, and yeah, it really does reinforce that kind of conservation mentality of it all. Amazing. Yeah, and that's that's good to hear because I'm a fan of the national parks. I think. Hallie, you and my wife and I have the same goal of visiting every national park. No way. I've got a poster behind me. I know this is a podcast of all the parks we've checked off. Do you know how many you guys have hit? We we have a poster too, not of our checkoff list, but just the list of all the parks. Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. It's like we did Acadia this summer in the May. It's like maybe three or four. (laughs) It's pretty embarrassing. (laughs) But... Slowly but surely. Yeah, it's a it's a lifelong goal. Everyone always asks right. me the number, and it's it's always embarrassing compared to how many there are. But there's time. Yeah, there was a story like shortly after we visited Maine, people started getting the shots, and things were getting back to normal a little bit in June. The parks were just inundated with people. Right, it was just like massive amounts of visitors at all the parks around the country. Did that cross your desk at all, or was it a topic around the office or like what what was your level of interplay with that story it's definitely a major topic they actually had a congressional hearing about it i want to say about two or three weeks ago that a few of the guys actually in the office down the road spoke during so it's definitely been a hot topic around the office as far as my own interplay to it it's something that as far as some of these investment concepts a lot of them are designed around either increasing or matching visitor access and really making a lot of the natural resources still resilient despite having, say, 4 million people pass through Grand Teton in a summer. So 
Yeah, resiliency has been a big word in in relation to the increased visitation. Now, one of the big things that they've been doing is the reservation system, which has divided a lot of opinions and was really big topic for that congressional hearing. But it seems like it's worked well through COVID and then the post-COVID boom. So it might be might be seeing it spread a little bit more. I'm not entirely sure what the standing is on that right now. There. Very cool. I went up to Yosemite this summer, and yeah, it was a reservation system, and I think we got there early, but lines were up to an hour and a half, two hours just to drive into wow. the park. Even Rocky Mountain National right up the road from us is uh, you know, before 9 a.m. You don't need reservations for the main gate, but after 9 a.m., I want to – even before 9 a.m., it was about a 40-minute wait in a line of cars after 9 a.m. Even if you have a reservation, you're still going to wait in that line for maybe on a – Tuesday at 11 a.m., 20 minutes, but on weekends, probably about an hour plus. Whew. And yeah, I'd driven out here actually for the internship from D.C., so tried to pass through Yellowstone and ran into the same problem. Talked to one of the park rangers at Grand Teton, which I was able to stop in, and he let me know that essentially good luck during what he called RV season. Oh, God. <laughs> for sure. Hallie, I want to turn to you now and ask you a little bit about your summer experience. What did your day-to-day look like? And just talk a little bit about the mission behind the Conservation Finance Network. Yeah. So the Conservation Finance Network, they actually went through a big change this summer. They were part of the conservation fund and they switched off. They're going um, out on their own and becoming their own organization. So it was really cool. I was working with the team on kind of all hands on deck, a lot of things that they were doing this summer. But conservation finance, it's a really hot topic in the conservation community. Everyone throws that word around. It's not something particularly new. It's bringing more money into conservation. There's a number that it's, I think it's, there's a $700 billion gap of what we're currently spending a year on financing for conservation and what's actually needed to make a difference. So the mission is to really help organizations and help the field get more money into conservation. Some things I was working on was they do an annual boot camp every year, bringing a lot of practitioners and organizations together to learn about conservation finance tools that they can use, get the basics down. And then other things I was working on were proposals for payment for environmental service projects in certain regions of the country. And then also marketing materials too, just like a lot of different projects this summer. But it's been cool since I've worked with them already in the spring and continuing on in the fall. It felt like a really natural continuation of things I was already working with them on. How do they pick the organizations that they work with? Like, is there a selection process or basically they're just trying to get the money out to as, as many folks as possible and they don't discriminate? Yeah, it's a network. So anyone's welcome to join it. You can join like through their communication channels and then you can sign up for a lot of the programs that they do. Um, they run different programs. So there's some that are limited, like they do a conference with Credit Suisse and you have to be invited into that. Um, the boot camp used to be you'd apply and then you get selected, but now they're doing this virtual option that they started this year that anyone is welcome to join. I think there were 130 or 150 people on this virtual one. So they'll continue that too. But yeah, any organization, any practitioner, if they want to get involved, there's different ways and can definitely get involved in whatever level they're able to. Now, do you think, I asked Sam this at the top, if you had an offer in hand to return full-time, would both of you guys return to your respective companies? 
I love this organization. I think a lot of it would depend if they, it's still a small and growing organization. So if it was the right role, the right salary, I love the team. So the team's not an issue. I definitely consider it. But the woman who's the head of it's also my mentor in an unofficial sense through ROI. So she's been helpful of giving me ideas of other organizations and other roles I can play with my skill set in the field. Um, if I don't continue on with the Conservation Finance Network in the future, which I've been really grateful for. Cool. How about you, Leo? Yeah, pretty similar answer, I'd say, um, depending on the role and you know what kind of package comes along with it. I'd definitely be very interested in coming back to the Park Service full time. The internship here comes specifically with a, a two-year direct hire authority thing, which is um, essentially a way around having to go through USA Jobs and the government hiring process. So definitely makes it much, much simpler and uh, also therefore a little bit more appealing as well. And the network that you get to build up during the internship is really cool too. Uh, you can essentially try to network your way into, if you want to work in Alaska, Talk to somebody there. If you want to work in Southern California, there's the Channel Islands or South Florida. There's you know, Biscayne Marine Park and Dry Tortugas. You got options, and you can pick where you want to be in the U.S. and actually work 40-hour weeks with an MBA instead of the uh, 60, 70, 80. So definitely, a, definitely a perk to consider in that as well. Come down to South Florida, man. It's wonderful down there. Yeah. Oh, I am well aware, my friend. I love the warmth. <laughs> I hate the cold like no other. Oh gosh, it's so much better than DC during the summer. My goodness, you get a bit of a breeze. Yeah, plus something about working in Key Biscayne sells the hell out of the job. I will say that. Absolutely. Sam, could you convert your role to Florida if you wanted to? So I actually had that exact conversation with my recruiter yesterday, and she was saying, you know, if the, if an offer was on the table, you know, where would you like to be situated? Because for Salesforce, they're really trying to sort of lead the charge on, you know, the new kind of hybrid approach to working. And uh, because the role, the team within which my role is, kind of is really not tied to any office. So my manager has people reporting into her from APAC and Amir, Japan, Sydney, you know, Germany, all over the place. I could really do it from anywhere. So yeah, I'm kind of, you know, as an English person, I'm now faced with really being able to locate to anywhere in the US and I'm slightly overwhelmed by the choice. Um, uh, I'm, I, I definitely would lean to the East Coast. So, you know, like a Boston and New York, just because I can, you know, get over to see my family whenever I want. And I would really, I would, you know, following on from what you know, Leo just said, I would really like to be down in Miami. You know, my partner's from there. So spent a lot of time there, you know, since I moved here and especially over the summer. And it's just a very, very nice pace of life, frankly, you know, uh, but Salesforce don't have an office there. So I don't know. I don't really know what that looks like. Um, failing that, I'd probably go to New York, frankly. Getting excited for that Miami reunion. Yeah. 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 Maybe maybe I'll persuade them to um, let me open the first Salesforce hub in Miami. Um, yeah. <laughs> that would be the dream. We'll see if I smash the internship that much out of the park. Yeah. <laughs> It's a bit big words considering I haven't even gotten off it yet, but we'll see. Okay, so re-recruiting to me is kind of daunting. Does anyone feel like that as well? Yeah, I feel like it's mind-blowing that we're going into our second year, and then the idea that we're done after that is our is just as mind-blowing to me. Yeah, re-recruiting first year was heavy-duty stuff, so yeah, 
idea of doing it again second year is definitely more more looming than encouraging yeah i'm glad i'm not alone in that have you thought about doing things differently or what your approach would be this year compared to last year i sat down with my supervisor actually on tuesday and we just went through a whole list of people i can start having the informational interviews with. And I think the first, when I first get to campus, I'm just going to be really strict about making sure I'm setting up interviews as much as possible. Because um, with the impact field, it's not like you're going for a specific job title or a specific track. It's a lot of finding the right role, finding the right people to connect you to the right people. Um, so I'm going to be really strict about that. And yeah, just I think kind of continuing the grind that we were doing last year, which again is daunting, but Mm -hmm. yeah, gotta gotta go through it. And for myself, having this uh, park service direct hire thing and kind of knowing that I'd be really happy with this job kind of gives me a lot more room, I feel like, to be very selective in what companies I apply for. So I'm going to, relative to first year at least, I think I'll be able to take it a good little bit easier and like really focus on the applications and interviews and coffee chats and all that good stuff, as opposed to just kind of trying for every company that would be one that I would want to work for. Casting as wide a net as possible, right? Right. Yeah. And I definitely relate that because, yeah, like I said, I mean, PwC was awesome, but there's still part of me that just wants to see what else is out there. So being selective and intentional with it this year I think that's fair. That makes a lot of sense. So I can relate to everything you just said for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a process I'm always kind of looking forward to. Just like a try my luck, see what the crap shoot yields. And the absolute worst, worst case scenario, I have likely, knock on wood, uh, work for the National Park Service, which is you know, a pretty solid gig. I was just going to say, I think for for our particular cohort, so full-time 22s, even those of us who, you know, might be, you know, looking down the barrel of re-recruiting um, in the fall and, you know, the spring as well. I think it's going to be a little bit less daunting than last year, especially for us coming in at the height of COVID. Starting business school, starting business school at any time is kind of kind of a crazy, crazy time. But doing it the way we did it virtually with all of that uncertainty, I think we now kind of understand the landscape a little bit better. Um, so there's going to be, you know. As I said, for those of us re-recruiting or recruiting, there's just going to be less of that uncertainty, less daunting, less challenges. You know, I I don't know about you guys, but I certainly felt the pressure of like stepping up and stepping right into finance and accounting and stats and getting to grips with that. Now that the electives are, you know, much less prescriptive, um, they're not going to be less work, but they're set, certainly going to be less, I think, to get to grips with than, um, than Professor Pinkowitz's um <laughs> uh, concepts which i which i really struggled with as a as an english person who gave up maths age 16 so yeah <laughs> yeah love Pinkowitz, but finance was not my strong suit yeah not for me not for me <laughs> i'd i'd like it to be my strong suit but i'm i'm with you guys i'm not a quant guy that was a good point sam like we overcame a lot in this past year so having gone through that and coming out on the other side a little bit and accomplishing a lot of things that we all accomplish, like it's not an invincibility feeling, but should give us some confidence to like, you know, we're ready to tackle whatever's thrown our way. Right. Yeah. And I think 
just it's so it's such an introspective year you think about what you really want it's not your boss telling you what the next step in the ladder is it's really what is my skill set what am I interested in you have time to try things out I thought I wanted to go into marketing and I realized after marketing day the third week of school that that was not my path and it's like that time to just trial things out and I think we've kind of gone through that and now it's really honing what we want and what we can bring to organizations with our skill set that we're more aware of I will go back and edit my intro for you, Hallie, where I said you're interested in marketing. So I'll I'll strike that from the record. No, I like marketing. I just, okay. yeah, I don't think I could. I sat in on the Nestle saying how their summer internship was figuring out how to market hard gummies or hard candies. And I was just like, I don't think I can do that this summer. <laughs> Classic. I'm with you. Yeah, but some people love it and that's their passion. But it's yeah. it's that time to figure out what it what's what your passion is. I think also, you know, coming out of MBA internships, we're all now, if we weren't before, I certainly wasn't, we all maybe now know what these companies and firms expect from an MBA and, you know, the kind of things that are gonna be thrown at us. And I think I certainly going into you know, recruiting, if I choose to do that, or if I don't get my offer, I'm now going to have like more of a toolkit to approach these interviews and know what kind of to emphasize and de-emphasize and kind of talk up the project in the right way. So that's definitely a plus. That's definitely the benefit of the internship, if nothing else. What would be some advice you would share with the first years that are just starting up um, their opening term right now in terms of career stuff within the MBA program here? And I'll throw that out to all you guys. I really like having opportunities to test out working at organizations. I did an internship with the World Bank. I did my conservation finance internship, which turned full time for the summer. There's so many opportunities at Georgetown, like the Insight program, the ROI Scholars program. I'd really say if you can just get into an organization for five hours a week for a term and just do the work, see what it's like, talk to people. I think that's a really good way to learn about how some of these organizations work. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's uh, There's a lot of resources and a lot of people who, even from Georgetown, who then know a lot of people themselves. So take advantage of the network for sure. And two kind of smaller things. One of them is you'll, you know more than you think you know is one thing that I learned through this internship for sure. And uh, another one just through recruiting is if you're kind of debating sending an email or debating giving someone a call, just just send it. What's what's the worst that'll happen? Somebody will say no or just not respond. But yeah, best case scenario, somebody sends you an email back and says you want a job. Yeah, I, w- I would say for the first years. So yeah, I actually, I was on campus two weeks ago, along with some other SGA people welcoming the first years onto campus for the first time, which was interesting for me because they were asking me for directions around Hariri building. And I was like, you've been here literally longer than I have. I like, I'm afraid I'm useless here. But uh, yeah, I I, I was asked to give them some advice. And my my advice to first years is just start early for the internships, because I think it's going to be competitive this year. Maybe, dare I say, more competitive than, than last year. I think expectations for MBA programs have gone up. And I think the, the the field of candidates is just going to be absolutely cracking for next summer. So start early, um, you know, companies like, you know, I, I was on a tech track. So companies like Google and Microsoft will 
put out openings in like August and close them by, you know, late September. So you don't want to miss any of those. Um, and also, you know, similar to what Hallie and Leo said, just like absolutely leverage your network, not only the alumni and opportunities for mentorship, but also the second years. Um, I know that I definitely would not be as well placed to smash my Salesforce interview had I not spoken to um, some second years who gave me some really good advice. Yeah, I'll absolutely second that. I'd say some of the best interview prep was the second years that I'd you know, made friends with and talked to for a while. 100%. I agree with everything you guys said. The other thing I'll add is shameless plug as the career VP on SGA, but the Career Center has, <laughs> they're awesome. All their counselors are great and just do not let that resource go to waste take advantage of it and abuse it because they are really good and they'll help you guys get to where you want to go i'm i'm confident in that so if you don't know who your advisor is find out because they're going to be a really good resource yeah my career my career advisor was equally just awesome he like i think i first met him um two months before i even moved to the states you know we had that Seems like so long ago now, but we had that whole uh, career preparation canvas module, didn't we? Where they kind of taught you about your personal brand. They taught you, you know, what to emphasize in your CV, all of this stuff. And I met, you know, shout out Eric and, you know, my career advisor, Eric Young. Yeah, he really helped me kind of define what I wanted to get out of my, uh, out of a post MBA job, you know, even what I was, you know, trying to get out of the MBA itself. Of course, I had an idea, but you know, he helped me articulate it a, a lot more. So definitely echo that, Mike. Yep. And now just a personal question for everyone. Outside of being back in person, what are you guys looking forward to most coming into the second year? And I will allow being in person as the answer if you add on to that. It's so hard because it's hard to even imagine what it's going to be like. We haven't been to campus yet, but I'm super excited to just see everyone. And there's people we haven't met yet, which is crazy, right. but I'm excited to meet everybody and just be all together and get that energy. Yeah, definitely second the in-person. There's so many people that, you know, be it through the Inspiring Capital Fellowship or even on this call, you, Mike, I haven't met you in person or Allie, I believe. But yeah, looking forward to seeing everybody in person, including you know, incoming first years too. That's a whole nother group that's going to roll in and that I have not yet met. I'm beyond pumped for it. That and uh, specifically, there's a little falafel shop right on the way to campus that I'm really looking forward to getting back into. I've been there. It's good. Um, you guys are going to have to tell me what that is because I'm a foodie and I need to know all the food spots. Call Your Mother Bagel, too, is right across from campus. I had that yesterday for lunch. It's great. <laughs> Inside scoop on that one is the pastrami bagel. Instead of the bacon, get the pastrami with the hot okay. onion on it. Game changer. Interesting. I think I've actually got some of that shawarma waiting for me in the fridge after I finish this podcast. <laughs> so we're all, we're all a fan of that. Yeah, I think it's just going to be so surreal walking into Hariri and seeing all of people's like tangible faces and like it's just, it's just gonna be so weird people that i've owned people that i've only met in the context of kind of like we are right now like four squares on a screen i've not been in the presence of more than like you know that many people in a in like a business school setting 
you know, ever. So yeah, that's going to be crazy. And kegs. Kegs is going to be great as well. Yes. Promote that, Sam. Let's go. Net Impact's hosting the first one. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We've already, we've already got plans, big plans. Yeah. yeah. No, it's going to be great. Yeah. I can't really get my head around, not only like having all of blue cohort, you know, for contact, Leo and I are in blue cohort, having all of blue cohort in one place is kind of like, that would blow my mind. Having all of the second year cohorts in one place kind of is a stretch further, but having all the second year and all the first years in like Connolly Commons, I can't really get my head around it yet, but yeah, that's, that's going to be great. Yeah. Every Thursday, Connolly Commons, Hariri building. Kegs. Kegs, 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 kegs. <laughs> so I was on campus and I got a little tour of Hariri and I went into the SGA closet, Sam, and there are yeah. leftover kegs yeah. from some time ago, I don't, before COVID, I guess. So old, that's not going to be a good beer, but yeah. 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 But no, it was just so good to be there and it's teeming with life. I saw Brad Jensen in the flesh teaching a class of SGI and. No uh, way. No Matt yeah. behind him in the in person. <laughs> <laughs> I I only saw his back because the angle of the door. I yeah I couldn't see what was behind him, but um. But you knew you unmistakably Brad Jensen. <laughs> Brad Jen- I was like, there he is in the flesh. But yeah, SGI was going on. First years are in breakout rooms, and they're all trying to figure out whatever project they're working on and um it was just yeah it's it's coming back to life so it was it's going to be really exciting to be part of that energy for sure yeah are that that private studies in Hariri? yeah so there's like basically like a a library room that is silent and then there are like breakout rooms on pretty much every floor that you can reserve for like team meetings i guess and the career center has like interview rooms reserved for interviews but yeah there are spaces where you can kind of get away most important question of the night what's the name of that shawarma place uh the shawarma place is it moby dicks moby dicks is good now the shawarma place is munchies 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 right across from pinstripes on wisconsin and then the falafel shop is called falafel inc Oh, you said falafel. That's right. Yeah, the falafel ink place. It's like a $3 falafel sandwich, but it's the best falafel I've had in D.C. at least. And for the most part, outside of outside of Europe, yeah. Probably the best falafel that I've had. A little bit spicy, very crispy. Chef's kiss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, this one's, uh, this one's a little bit for you, man. I know you used to work for the Orioles, so... Uh, yeah. Yeah, big ups to you, man. Appreciate what you're doing for Baltimore, bro. <laughs> big well, time Orioles fan. <laughs> we can have an off-air conversation about some details, but yeah, I appreciate. It. We had a we had a really good run for about five six years there, where yeah, we were one of the best clubs. It was fun. Back in that Buck Show Walter era, man. I miss it. Yeah, yeah. I went to um, the Bowie Bay Sox game today to see Grayson Rodriguez pitch, who, who is their best pitching prospect. Uh, so that was fun, even though it was 100 degrees. Minor league games are almost more fun than major league, in my opinion, man. Agree to disagree. <laughs> Fair. Definitely cheaper. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate your time, guys. This was awesome, awesome chat. So thanks to our guests, Hallie Sachs-Danberg, Leo Taffy, Awesome of you to join us, dropping knowledge on 
the conservation game that we're all trying to look the un report came out the other day like this is serious stuff it's important and we appreciate your guys work in the space because it's it's crucial yeah thanks for spotlighting this topic really glad to join yeah likewise it's an interesting time right now he's uh, got turkish and u.s citizenship and both countries are burning at once uh, yeah, particularly at home so yeah appreciate it for sure thank you for having us on yeah man well we will catch you here next time on mcdonough talks thanks see you guys